what you could do, Norman, <laughs> to ensure <laughs> that people do it or die is you put them in a room with the animal, give them a knife, and lock the door. Welcome to If I Were King, the podcast where two friends somewhere on Earth talk about the New World Order and other things, including, but not limited to, the lizard people. What, what kind of other stuff, Paul? Was it fun? Uh, my friend I was talking to and I asked, uh, hadn't talked to in a long time and sent a text and said, you know, how are you doing? And she was like, I'm okay. And then I was like, how's work? She's like, I'm okay. So I was like, hmm, is she okay though? So I, I followed up. So you, you did the right thing. You were a good boy. Yeah. You didn't just go like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That sucks. Sorry. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Right, right. So, well, then let's get right into it. If you were your totalitarian dictator, tell me, what would you do? Yeah, I have four words for you, Norman. Global obligatory pizza Fridays. <laughs> I'm in. I'm 100% in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me. Tell me more about this. How... Just, just, just expand. Tell me. I don't even want to. I don't want to lead your train of thought. I just want to tell me what. Just tell me what your train of thought on this is. Yeah. Basically, uh, from today onwards, basically every week, time indeterminate, pizza will be the only legally acceptable dinner food on a Friday night. Uh, whether you're Uzbeki, Canadian, Azerbaijani, American, or any other nationality, we are one world. Under God, indivisible with liberty and pizza for all. God damn it. So. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love this idea because pizza is great. You can have gluten-free pizza. You can have vegetarian pizza. You can have a super meat pizza. You can have white sauce pizza, red sauce pizza. It's it's just so, you you can even get more creative (laughs) and just make your own kind of sauce pizza. Yeah. Uh, You can have crazy Detroit so style pizza and all that yeah well this is a diverse food that i think would go along uh with the people of the world paul i think the people of the world would uh take this on um how do you imagine this um in practice well basically uh i imagined that like a worldwide secret police would be established to ensure that people enjoy their pizza each friday uh, so what that would consist of is different things, but like checking credit card statements to make sure that they bought pizza at a pizza joint or... Oh, so like on your taxes every year, you would like submit your pizza Friday taxes yeah. to get rebates on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could get, you know, some money back if you ate your pizza. It's a subsidized Friday meal plan? I yeah. <laughs> it's like a pony-powered economy. It's a pizza-powered economy. When you think of it like that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so they'll check for, you know, if you went to a pizzeria on Fridays, but they'll also check for pizza ingredient purchases. And they'll also check with the gas company to make sure that you turned on the gas about 20 minutes on Friday night if you didn't pay for pizza from a pizzeria. Um, Paul, we don't all use gas for power. Jeez. Well. <laughs> What, Especially electricity in those countries <laughs> or places individually where 
electric powered stoves are used, a special meter will have to be installed. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So like, like half the world. <laughs> yeah. Pizza meters. Look at how much business <laughs> we're gonna meters. produce <laughs> with our pizza meters. That's a lot of business. We're creating jobs. I like this too because there's already like a pizza place, whether it's good or bad, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, pretty so much. So like, yeah. all they would be is just absolutely slammed, like, to like ass to the wall every Friday <laughs> with how busy they were. All right. Like, yeah, you create a few jobs. Those Fridays would need some extra employees 100%. Yeah. Uh, because people, yeah, man. And also, like, I think the diversity of pizza recipes in the world would go through the roof because people would also, like, just make their own pizzas, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it would get, it would get real creative, man. I think so, man. <laughs> yeah, there's some pretty... Just here, I mean, there's a lot of variety in it, obviously. Uh, pretty com pretty popular in America. What's, uh, what's your favorite pizza place in... Um... In Albuquerque I'd say there's two Placidas Pizza Company is one and the other mm -hmm. is Village Pizza Company in Corrales which is where I live specifically yeah oh yeah yeah tell me about Placidas Pizza Company tell me about it why, well, why do you say it's the best both of them I like probably about equally because they're both similar in style just because basically if you order a pizza with whatever ingredients toppings I should say they don't stiff you on the toppings. Like, you get everything that you asked for, man. Like, if you ask for whatever meat or whatever protein or whatever, and then whatever veggies and whatever the hell you want, you get a lot of those. It's not like one of those cheap pizzas where you look at it and go, you fucking cheap bastards. But, so, uh, basically, that's that's my reasoning. And it's delicious, but... Uh yeah. All right, all right. So, is this topping heavy or topping quality? We talking? Because there's a two types I mean, of pizzas quality out there. Too. They're quality okay, the too. topping quality and heavy. Ooh, how much is a slice? Uh, I don't buy slices. I just buy. Pizzas, oh, it's not by the slice. In the U.S., it's very rarely by the slice because it's more expensive by the slice. Are you fucking serious? What are you talking about? What? Are you... Yeah. What? That's how it is here. Slices are. What? You know. Sorry. Have you heard of New York City? Oh, yeah, but that's different. I didn't. So, first of all, you're going to have to tell me more about this because what? P buy the slice is rare? Yeah, I mean, you can buy slices, but they can be pretty expensive when you do it that way. There are specialist pizzerias where you buy by the slice, maybe, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can also buy the whole pizza and. 95 percent of everyone how much is a regular pizza? like if, if by that your typical by the slice pizza place in albuquerque what's one slice cost i don't really know because i don't usually do that that said i know that it could probably range from two to three dollars maybe a bit more okay that sounds reasonable but yeah. well, Interesting. i don't know that's like three and a half dollars in canadian right or four well, not four three and a half maybe yeah, okay. It's that's really interesting. Lot. That's really interesting because, like, when I think pizza, I think like New York, New York City, and obviously like Italy. But when I think pizza by the slice, I think New York City. You know what I'm saying? So Italians, don't come at me. Don't come at. Well, me. see the <laughs> the thing is though, when you say that and you say like slice, you know, you're imagining really big probably if you're doing pizza by the slice and calling it a meal, you know. But well, no, I mean, like you get one or two, maybe three slices if you're real hungry, and it's like you know a regular pizza split into eight pieces and one eighth of a pizza per uh, slice. 
Dude, the thing is, though, we eat way more pizza than that in America. <laughs> uh, dude, my brother and I absolutely demolish an entire very large pizza together, and they make big pizzas here in the U.S., so we demolish pizza. Dude. So pizza by the slice doesn't really work with the calorie requests of the average american even skinny americans like me <laughs> like i i totally i totally hear you man like if i buy a pizza like a, a full pizza i will crush that shit oh um, yeah i will i will be a fat fuck um yeah. but i'm just finding it so strange that you say that pizza by the slice is rare well it depends on region of country though like you're saying sure, new sure. york i'm sure they do eat pizza by the slice more there but um, so how about this to clarify my question is it hard to find pizza by the slice no you can eat pizza by the slice at probably any pizza place in albuquerque okay that said nobody okay. does it's just more expensive that's that so way. weird that's so weird okay. well pizza okay. so let's you know bringing it back into perspective another reason for global obligatory pizza fridays pizza brings people together norman and <laughs> how can you be together if you're eating slices alone well, let me let me let me counter your fucking point right there. So my <laughs> favorite pizza in Vancouver is Joyce Pizza. That's not actually what it's called. It has a real name which nobody ever uses. It's called Super Great Pizza. People don't even know it's called Super Great Pizza. Uh, <laughs> it's Joyce Pizza. It's beside Joyce Guy Train Station, and that is fucking greasy, delicious goodness. And that place is a that is a. That's where you find a bunch of characters. Um, actually, in the in the last few years, it's changed to there's just always like it's just like a Spanish speaking zone now for some reason. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, but you can make like people go in there because it's um, like where I live. It's quite a working class neighborhood, so like you get off the SkyTrain, uh, which is our metro, um, and you just it's a couple meters across. <laughs> it's literally across the street, and you'll see people just right after their shift going getting pizza. Um, I went there recently, and it's it's cold as fuck right now in Vancouver. We're having like this um, got some like polar vortex action going on, so it's actually cold in Vancouver for once. But like you know, they, usually the doors are open all year round except when it's snowing, and then everybody crowds in there, and it's like this super old school like 1980s style like seating, <laughs> like the chairs attached to the the table kind of thing, and everyone just kind of just mixes and mingles, Paul. Um, but anyways, the pizza there is my favorite by the slice. Uh, in Vancouver. Um, I haven't been to New York City yet, but I've been told by people who have been to New York City and have had Joe's Pizza, it is the closest thing to a New York slice in Vancouver. Um, and is my f favorite slice of pizza in Vancouver. I will fight and die on this hill if anybody wants to challenge me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, P I think I think what we're saying is the same thing, is that pizza does bring people together in different ways. Yeah. I can agree with that. <laughs> if 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 you like it by the slice and your buddies like it by the slice, then okay. All I'm saying is, in the U.S., it's just not practical for the pizza volume demand that that there is here. But also, it's just more expensive. It's not more expensive to buy it by the slice in Canada. Um. So so for example, Joyce Pizza, OG as fuck pizza. Um. Back in the day. We're talking ten plus years ago now. It was like a dollar a slice back back in the good days. Back in the good days yeah, when exactly. things were priced reasonably, but now it's like right. three bucks a slice. Now it's like three bucks a slice. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Like a notable a notable mention is like it's called Fire Pizza. It's on Commercial Drive. Uh, that's the kind of place that has like crazy toppings. Kind of what you're saying. Like what you're telling your other place. I think it's great. I think it's fine. Like if I'm there and I'm like drinking, I will have pizza there. But nothing beats the greasy, delicious, gooey goodness of Joanne's Pizza. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha, man. So we'll we'll go there when you visit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. Did did anything inspire you to uh, to do this recently? Did... Uh, actually, it was when you and I were texting and about pizza. And... <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you remember that quote I said, yeah. basically like from uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. I modified some words and said that earlier oh oh i didn't i didn't catch that it was from the pledge of allegiance i'm sorry <laughs> oh yeah no anyway. i just thought you were just so wise i we're gonna no no see, so here's a quote from when i was texting you so i said <laughs> uh, i don't remember what your voice note said exactly but my response to it was if i were a king such injustices shall never occur again one nation under god with liberty and pizza for all <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like uh like 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 i went there um i don't know it was friday or something and i wanted to treat myself and i was gonna get like i don't know three or four slices of pizza i was gonna be a real fat fuck uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my favorite slice there is the mushroom bacon that they have it's just it's just mm, mm, top 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 shelf top shelf and i went there and would you look at that the universe was spinning around me again there was three slices left and i was like that is awesome and guy <laughs> in front of me he bought like a whole box of pizza and like he paid and I was like, okay, cool. And then like he paid, he started packing up and then he's like, wait a second. He like doubled back and got <laughs> two slices of the bacon mushroom and then like paid again. And I had to leave. I had to leave because I was like legitimately angry. <laughs> 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 like, like it was just like you visibly see me just, just pissed. <laughs> so I like went outside for a couple of minutes. I was like, unbelievable, unbelievable. I didn't want to be like a dickhead to like, you know, my, my boss my boss man at the across the counter he like he knows me i'm a semi-regular guy <laughs> yeah but like i didn't want to be a dick to them so i had to like cool down i was like all right all right i cool down i was like i'll, I'll get not my favorite slices then fine <laughs> just the disrespect i felt so disrespected and personally attacked <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you have it world that's that is why i was thinking about this concept it's because of Norman's pizza-related pain, <laughs> PRP, and uh, <laughs> basically decided to do something about it as king of the world. So, Paul, um, I also have something uh, animal-related, food-related, rather, uh, today. Um, so, if I were king of the world, uh, I'd make it mandatory for everyone who eats meat to butcher the animal that they would like to purchase <laughs> at least once in their life before being able to buy that yeah sort of a license if you will and this yeah. would only apply once you're 18 plus so like i'm not okay. gonna make children butcher animals <laughs> <laughs> they can obtain their license earlier if you you know they want to license <laughs> <laughs> i i do this because people have become quite like complacent and apathetic about like meat and like where meat comes from and it's just kind of people believe it's just a given that there should be meat and it should be cheap uh but really you know meat used to be quite a special thing quite a luxury if you will but since you know the industrial revolution we were able to industrialize farming and it is 
everywhere. Um, but also with that, like that change in how we produce it, the 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 maltreatment of animals that we can, you know produce for food is, is went out, out through the roof. Like it's it is not pretty what um, what they do in those industrial farms. Yeah. So yeah, and also like. Meat's expensive for a reason, even though we already mass produce it. Uh, and even with the super inflation, <laughs> inflation we're living with, it's even more expensive. What I'm saying is, as king, I recognize that it is cruel and that people need to understand that meat comes from a place. That, you know, it takes a lot of labor, effort, food, water, resources to produce. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna eat something that was once an animal, just like us on this earth, that you need to know the feeling of taking that animal's life yourself at least once to know the value of what you are eating. What do you think about this, Paul? <laughs> I think it's actually pretty interesting. Like, I definitely see the value in it. Uh, I also, <laughs> my first reaction was when you said it, <laughs> at what age are they going to have to do this? And so it was good that you clarified that because I was like, some five-year-old is going to be traumatized for the rest of their life and be a vegetarian forever. <laughs> hey, man, if, and, and you know what? And if they don't, uh, if they're at 18, 18 plus, and they can't do it, then you know what? That's a win for the planet. Eating less meat, that's less uh, carbon into the atmosphere, less resources going into that uh, resource-heavy uh, industry. Uh, it's great. But, um, you know, so what, what inspired me to to do this is because I myself have butchered some animals. Um, so the first time I butchered some animals I, was a few years ago. My friends have chickens and they needed to cull some chickens. So they invited me over and they're like, hey, we're gonna butcher a bunch of chickens. And I was like, okay, new experience. Let's see how that is. And I thought the experience, I thought the experience would like not bother me. Um, I don't know, I don't know why I just did. Uh, but yeah. actually doing it did kind of bother me a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, it was because it was like, oh, like you're holding this thing that's alive and then it's not. Um, yeah. Fuck. And like you, you got, yeah, I don't want to be too grab, but like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make the cut. You gotta make the cut and you feel it with your hands and everything. It's very visceral, literally and figuratively. Um, um, but after that experience, it made me kind of just appreciate or value like, you know, the the meat we eat from animals and that's why i thought it was a good little lesson for myself to be like you know what i definitely eat a little bit less after since then you know it's i don't you know i try to be like you know i'm not gonna stop but i'm not gonna just be like a meat one of those people who just like i'm gonna eat meat all the time i'm like you don't need to <laughs> yeah but uh it just gave me a little bit of perspective and that's why i thought if everybody did this in the world at some point, I feel like we would just produce and consume a lot less meat, and that would not only have benefits for, like, you know, um, our resources like water, which we really need nowadays, um, and then also carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and um, and methane from growing those from raising those animals. So I think it would have a lot of good, a lot of good effects at the end of the day. So not only would you know. It would instill a good set of values and valuing what we eat. Also, it would be protecting the planet a little bit at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We could all feel <laughs> a little bit better and a little bit worse. But <laughs> well, some people will some some people be traumatized. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so question. Yeah, if you fail to kill something, are you then not allowed to eat that thing? 
Exactly. So, like, is that animal animal by animal, or if you fail one, you have to fail them all? Is that? I want to say animal by animal because I think it would be more effective uh, in that in that uh, system of like producing less and consuming less. And I think that would be good for the planet long term because we need this. We need this planet. So you have and... to like choose your favorite meat first. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, there are you... a lot of meats out there. Right. Um, but you know, the main ones are you know obviously chicken, beef. <laughs> Those are like the two big ones. But then there's pork as well. Uh, there might be lamb. Other meats, uh, you know. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say this for turkey. Yeah, duck, duck, turkey. Yeah, yeah. Um, Boar, I'm going to say elk. I'm going to say bear, um, alligator, seafood. <laughs> exactly. So most people who do eat bear have hunted it. Have you ever eaten bear? No. <laughs> I have had a little bit of bear because somebody I worked with hunted and they brought in like a bear kind of burger kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's gamey because it's game. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's good. Have you ever had venison or anything like that? Yes. Yeah. And bison and I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bison. But yeah, I think the system could use a little bit of fine tune. I think seafood will be off the table because I think that's a little bit different. Not because I don't think they feel pain, um, but I just think it's a little it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. They're under the sea. You have to make people obligatorily fish or they have to be captured in such a way where they're still alive when they're brought back to shore so that somebody can murder them. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so what, what do you think of this, Paul? How, would, uh, how do you interpret this? Yeah, yeah. I think it could be good, yeah. <laughs> hey, do, 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 do you foresee any um, difficulties? God, it's complex because a lot of people would just not be able to go through with it. And, uh, you know, they would still want to eat their meat. So, uh, yes. yeah, there, there might become an underground black market for meat. <laughs> yeah, <wrong>. the <laughs> underground meat market. <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds uh, a little bit gross there. It uh, does. It sounds nasty. <laughs> it sounds more uh, about humans than about animals there. <laughs> the underground meat market. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I think you could run into some problems. I can I tell think, you. Uh, I think the ends justifies the means, personally. I think the planet will be better off, and therefore all humanity will be better off if this is implemented. What you could do, Norman, <laughs> to ensure <laughs> that people do it or die is you put them in a room with the animal, give them a knife, and <laughs> lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back right after this. And we're back. Paul, cultural corner, go. All right, the Pledge of Allegiance. I brought it up earlier, but... uh... It's a topic that I've given a lot of thought to over the years, and I think it is fucking really, really weird. Um, most people from democratic well, Before countries... you continue, Paul. Yeah, yeah. We know, the rest of the world knows that it's really weird. Yes. And you guys do it. That's... <laughs> You're stealing my segue. That's what I was going to say. I said, uh... Most people from democratic countries, maybe if they've watched American movies or TV with the Pledge of Allegiance, 
probably think that it's that the extremely awkward and quasi-fascist practice of pledging allegiance to a flag have probably questioned why the fuck we're doing that and what on earth we're thinking. If you have, understand that there are people out there like me, Americans, who agree. What the fuck are we doing? Seriously, I think it's weird as shit. So I'm going to read it in full for you all in case oh, it hasn't. Oh boy, okay. In case it hasn't graced your ears yet, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Insert pizza for all there if you like it, though. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good change. So I thought I would go over the history of this. Uh, the history of okay. Before you do, tell me about yeah. uh, why you recently, why this came up to you. Why do you want to get rid of it uh, if you were king? You know, it's not recent. It's been for a long time. Uh, just basically because I mean, you have to say it every day in school in America. It's really annoying. Do you? Yes. Are you serious? Yeah. I thought like that was a movie thing. I thought like that wasn't actually oblig obligatory. No, no, no. It is very real. It is like through elementary school and high school. And oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. What about in uni? In the uni, no. Oh, okay. Because it's a thing that happens at a specific time of day, and not everybody's there at a specific. What? It's at it's at a specific time of day. Well, yeah, it's like the first bell in the morning or whatever when you're get to your first class. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it probably varies a little bit by school, but yeah, it's like the first bell goes off, and then a little bit after that, maybe, uh, then they come on the announcement. The PA really? or whatever, and say we're we're gonna say the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody, look at the flag. Put your hand over your heart. Blah blah blah. Well, you know to do that, you know, because of what? This is like some 1984 shit, dude. What? Isn't it? Yeah, like dude, I know it's that, like, like blatant social conditioning. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I know that like people who like study abroad in high school and come to the U.S. are like, what the fuck? Because they thought that, like you saying, they're like. I didn't know that was actually like a daily, you know, timed thing that, yeah, it's weird. Why aren't more people talking about this? I don't understand. What? Dude, it's just been in a part of our culture for so long, I think, that people just kind of, eh. Uh, it is a conversation in part because of the whole one nation under God thing. So it's a religious. Yeah, because you're, you guys are supposed to theoretically have separation between church and state. Yeah, that's a joke. That is... <laughs> whatever uh, that's really i so i didn't realize that but yeah i i also thought it was just like it didn't like i thought it stopped i thought you guys like like i thought that was more like like a 1940s kind of earlier thing like i didn't realize you guys just, do they still do it like today oh yeah absolutely yeah that's so when weird. i worked at a school they did it and i would always just stand around feeling really fucking awkward going why are we doing this that's so weird. No, I, I'm just like a little bit shocked that like, it seems so like, like the United States is so anti, like federal state control kind of stuff. And like, but everyone just accepts the Pledge of Allegiance. It's like this weird mix of like, the, the Pledge of Allegiance is like separated from the government. Well, and that's like the idea I... of the country versus like the actual people who run it are two different things. And that's like that pledge is like, I love America, but not necessarily the government, which is interesting. 
Yeah. Which, I, yeah, it seems like a total wave, like forced control, kind of like brainwashy kind of. Thing. It's so weird. Well, and that's what's that's what I kind of wanted to talk about too with the history of it is like. It was written by a guy who was actually genuinely a socialist, like a socialist priest guy. But, and so that's what's kind of so confusing about it is like, it came from this like time and this political perspective that was like, doesn't make sense nowadays, first of all. But second of all, like the same people who might be in favor of continuing the Pledge of Allegiance are also the ones who are very vehement vehemently anti-socialist or whatever according to their belief system but uh yeah it's just a very confusing thing and i find it really fucking odd that we're still doing this and even worse because we're making children do it if it were like that is strange yeah if it would be weird if they asked adults to do it and some people would probably do it still but it's even weirder that it's like basically a quasi obligatory thing for children to pledge allegiance to a flag. I personally find that very strange at best. It's also really weird because it's like separate from your national anthem because like your national anthem will play at a football game, NBA, hockey game, whatever. Like that's a regular thing. That's what happens before teams play. And that's pretty um, much in a lot of countries. But but you guys happens. have this separate entity thing. That's the Pledge of Allegiance. So weird. Yeah. No, it's very strange. Well, you, you opened my eyes a little bit. Like, yeah, I also, I guess I also didn't really pay attention. Or I, or I was in the same boat with a lot of other people that you've mentioned that, like, it's not a thing anymore. But it, 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 is, a, it is alive and well, the plate. It is completely alive and well. And I don't understand how it isn't more of a conversation because... You know, if you're a teacher or if you're a school employee of any kind, as I was at one point, and you're there in the morning and that come, you know, the announcement comes on and they start talking about how they're going to do it and that, and then they start doing it and they're all like, face a flag, face a flag, wherever it is, wherever you're standing, you look for the nearest flag. I just find it so strange. And it was just never even a con. nobody ever brought it up. That is weird, dude. Yeah, that is weird. Isn't that like strange? I feel like that if I was like if I, uh, if if my parents all chose to move to the states and the Canada, like I feel like I would be so anti against it because I was just like such a shithead growing up, and very anti authority, and I feel like that would have that would have rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there have been a are, lot of... Are there people? Are there some exceptions? Have you ever? Did you see that? Like when you were in high school, anybody who was like fuck this kind of thing and like. What happens if you don't pledge your allegiance? So there's been court cases about it, actually. Are you fucking serious? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're children. Yeah. Well, for one, because... Largely because of the religious thing, because, you know, some kid who's not Christian or whatever uh, is reciting what the saying. Pledge of Allegiance where they're talking about um, one nation under God and crap like that. Right, uh, there are many gods. Yeah. Exactly. But also some people who are atheists and then some people who just, you know, don't want to say it, just don't say it and sit down or whatever. And then maybe in certain, let's say, conservative or Republican states and stuff like that, maybe some kids have gotten in trouble for that. 
And so there have been actual lawsuits about, you know, why are we obliging people to do this? And then maybe in certain places getting them in trouble for it. Because that absolutely has happened, and there have been court cases about it, which I think is complete and utter nonsense. And it needs to stop. That's really interesting. Like, so, you know, speaking of, like, the, that, that, like, the the actual Canadian national anthem was actually changed a few years ago to make it general neutral, and people kind of got in a little bit of a hissy fit about it. So it changed from, there's this one line that says, um, quote, in all thy sons command, end quote, and that was changed with, quote, in all of us command. That was just, that was the change. They made it from sons to us. But uh, that just made me think about what you were saying about like the Pledge of Allegiance, like the little, the little change and stuff. That's so interesting. Well, and what's interesting is that, so the guy who wrote it, to get into the history a bit, his name was Francis Bellamy. And this was like 18, 1892. So it says uh, he was a priest and he kind of like worked at magazines and stuff throughout his life. Uh, but he was mm -hmm. a priest. And... He, when he was like 37, back in 1892, he wanted to make a patriotic program for schools around the country uh, to coincide with like a big event that was happening. Uh, but he lobbied Congress for a resolution to endorse the school ceremony with this. Uh, and a key element was to like add the, the Pledge of Allegiance. But he actually didn't write it with one nation under God, even though he was a priest in that. That actually came later. Uh, but, you know, Congress got involved and, like, actually uh, adopted it as part of... I guess it says a national flag code. And basically, that says in 1942 they adopted a national flag code. So basically, after that point on, uh, they started basically ob obliging students across a lot of the country to start doing it around that year. And what year was that? 1942. It's interesting. It started in 42. That sounds so, le yeah, I mean, that like, that, yeah, some patriotic, that was mid-war stuff, right? Yeah, that makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah. It was kind of mid-war. Because I think, actually, I think, let's see. Yeah, you, you could definitely, that was, that was the time and place to, uh, to push something like that through. Exactly. And this is what I thought it was. So Congress, it, it says 1954, President Eisenhower. So he signed into law uh, the under God part. Interesting. Yeah. So it was, a, you know, literally 1892 to 1954. So 60 odd years later, they introduced the line with god in it what i find really strange too is especially after coming back from spain because i took a class there which was was it uh, with anchon no oh interesting no it was i don't remember her name now but it was uh the history of spain from the dictatorship through the modern era in other ah. words so yes uh but what I find even more strange is like coming back to the U.S. after that, because I worked at the school directly after coming back from Spain. So, mm -hmm. you know, imagine like coming back from a country where you studied history and basically what you learned 
was that the the dictatorship of Spain had like three branches of government. One was the military, one was the dictator himself, and one was the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, their obligation under that governmental system was education of the populace and indoctrination effectively. And mm. the way they did that was by having people recite songs, po you know, different literary things. They, they were obliged to recite pieces of literature, songs primarily, and sing that were reflective of the values of the dictator and the dictatorship and basically Catholic fundamentalist or extremist uh, ideologies. So I just found it even stranger when I came back from Spain that we're obliging children to repeat. And you know what's really strange about it, too, is like like you're saying, it comes out of a time when that type of shit was happening in the in the actual fascist and authoritarian dictatorships was people were obliging. And the weird thing is the U.S. in many ways at that time went through a lot of, uh, you know, coming up with a lot of weird little fascist ideas. Well, I mean, it was propaganda, like, central at, during the war, so, like, and that was A-OK -okay with everybody. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and, and it was really interesting because um, I had a class of um, Anchon, uh, and he, he spoke directly about this uh, religious, like the religiosity, like the amount of, <laughs> like how religious people are in Spain compared to the States. Because he said like in, the, in Spain, he was like, oh, here people say they're like, whatever, they're Catholic or Christian or whatever. Uh, but nobody goes to church. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if you go to the church and if he's like, and it's like, but when, I, when he was in the States, he went just to like see what's up. Full. Churches are full there. Yeah, yeah. And like... And, and so it's, like, actually a part of, like, um, a lot of Americans' lives. Yeah. Uh, versus in Spain, people just, like, ah, they just kind of, like, passively say, yeah, totally, and, like, not really. <laughs> well, and that's why, because my mom is kind of religious. I mean, she grew up very religious, very religious. Like, she had, a, like, an altar in her house when she was a child, and they prayed before bed type of thing. But uh she's not so religious anymore but she still like values it or whatever um and my grandfather her dad was spanish spanish american but his family was spanish and had been here since whatever the 17 or 1800 something like that but That's crazy yeah yeah but uh so they were very spanish catholic and that was kind of the idea of that but uh, so she was, you know, very surprised when I told her that, like, no, in reality, most Spaniards, you know, they might identify as Catholic, but they don't go to church. They don't practice, really. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's because of what what their dictatorship was based off of. It was just extremist Catholic ideology, you know, fanatical ideology that was pushed on the people and they were obliged to sing in the classroom about you know these fascist ideas and stuff so it makes complete sense why they're not religious there anymore even if they identify as catholics yeah paul 
Do you know what a house hippo is? No idea. Do you want to find out? Yes. <laughs> it's nighttime in a kitchen just like yours. All is quiet. <laughs> okay. The North American house hippo is found throughout Canada and the eastern United States. <laughs> house hippos are very timid creatures and are rarely seen. <laughs> they come out at night to search for food, water, and materials for their nests. <laughs> house hippos sleep about 16 hours a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a message from Concerned Children's Advertisers. All right, now I know what a what a house hippo is. So, so this is a absolute banger of a classic Canadian commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody of, a, of I guess now you have to say of a certain age, uh, but isn't that old? Uh, this was um, this was a uh, it's, it's a 1999 commercial. That's a little bit old, uh, but. It ran for a very long time, uh, not just 1999. Um, and it is, it's kind of like, maybe maybe another day I'll talk about what Body Break is, which is quintessential Canadian commercial. And I would say this is the same level of quintessential Canadian commercial. Um, almost everybody, you know, who's seen this commercial, almost everybody knows about this. It is a meme in itself. It is amazing. It is the house hippo, and it is found in Canada and the eastern United States. Did you know that? Um, no idea. No idea. In the eastern U.S. Paul, what do you North? think about this commercial? I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. I still don't know what the product is, but... <laughs> what is the product? Is there a product? Oh, it's like it's a PSA. It's a PSA... Um... Uh, a 1999 PSA saying, don't believe everything you see on TV. It is literally just, yeah, that makes sense. Does, the, does, that, um, does that ring true to 2022? Don't believe everything you see on the television? On the internet? Yeah, it's just as valid now. I mean, it would have been valid in like the 1600s and still valid now. And then still valid in 1999 for sure. They just didn't have televisions, but that's okay. They had pamphlets and shit, some propaganda uh, gazettes or whatever gazetteers. <laughs> yeah, so this this was so this was like a children ad advocacy group, and they made this commercial for the government of Canada uh, to like. It, this is specifically targeting targeting children, not like adults. Obviously, adults saw it, um, but that's why I think everybody around my age knows about this so well because it was targeted right at us as like an educational kind of thing but it was it was so funny like they i think they did too good of a job yeah making it funny it because like at the very end at the very end like even you missed it you're like what is this about <laughs> because you were just having such a great thing at the end they're like you know don't, they literally say like oh this is you know this is don't believe everything you see, see just this looked so real and you're like yeah it did look so real and i stopped <laughs> thinking after that <laughs> So they did like such a good job, especially in 1999. Like, that's a really good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty silly, man. I I think you're right though. I think the comedy does kind of cut into the message of like it's so silly that. Also, I'm tired, but I I just totally look past that, the message. <laughs> what do you What do you think about the this quirky commercial? Like, do you have anything in the states where like if you were like 
that everybody else would be like, yeah, totally, I totally know what this this is. Or like a, a weird quirky commercial or like weird PSA kind of messaging that everyone would be familiar with immediately that's like weird and quirky like this, but like maybe even regional kind of thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Forgive me, Norman, because I'm going to say it, but I think that the U.S. did actually invent this one, Jenny. Not this one, but quirky commercials. At least on the TV. Oh, invented quirky commercials. On the TV? I thought you were like the house hippo. I thought you were like shots fired. Not uh, quirkiness, but you know, like ridiculous ads. Like a lot of people come to the U.S. and they're like, your ads are hilarious here and our ads suck ass. Yeah. It's like that. I agree. Like, um, you, you, um, yeah, you guys have some. I've seen. Uh, what was it? Um, one of my one of my favorites is um, the taxidermy commercial. What is that one? Uh, uh, Chuck Testa. Chuck Testa. Oh, I do, but that's like we're talking. That's distant memory. Wow, Chuck Testa. <laughs> This must that actually might even be like same era of as house pit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you like I think I but that was like an international hit, Chuck Testa. Yeah. I think. Dude, I'm gonna have to watch that after this because that's like that's a long time ago for me that I saw that type of stuff. Oh yeah, nope, it's just Chuck Testa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the line. I don't remember the commercial though. <laughs> yeah, me neither. me neither. I just remember it's taxidermy and nope, choke testa. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there anything, but but yeah, but like back to that. Like, is there anything any commercials that like are super American that like that are ridiculous or funny like this that uh, that come to your mind? Dude, there's a lot. I haven't really watched the TV TV to see a lot of ads lately though. But there's some really good ones that have been out in the past several years for you know. Purple mattresses. Uh, they're like the online selling mattresses yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few companies like that, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Purple mattresses, though, they have pretty ridiculous ad or series of <laughs> ads about Sasquatch. So it's okay. like Sasquatches, and you know they're more comfortable laying on a nice purple mattress bed or whatever, but. There's ones where there's like a Sasquatch just beating a fish to death and then talking <laughs> about the mattress while he's doing that. And, you know, shit like that. Um, there's some really ridiculous ones like that. And then uh, in the U.S., of course, like Super Bowl Sunday advertisements are like really well known. Oh, of course. How could I miss? Of course, Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday advertisements. Yeah. But to yeah. be honest, a lot of those don't come out as good as you know people hope for it i feel like i don't know there's been some years where they come out pretty good but i don't really watch super bowl either so it's been a while i mean how many times have you heard i watched the super bowl for the ads how many times have you heard that dude hundreds a billion do they say that in yeah. canada do people watch the super bowl oh no oh of course they do uh, yeah, yeah. people people watch american football here. really I would say more people watch NFL than CFL here for sure. I'm surprised Canadians watch American football. Seems weird. Uh, you know Dom's? Uh, as in delayed onset muscle soreness? Yeah. Hit me hard, hard as fuck right now. <laughs> oh, nice. You, you've been working out recently, bro? Always, dude. It's actually pretty bothersome right now. 
Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're sore. You're getting stronger. Yeah. That's that's a, that's how you know it's working. So they say.